All right, <clears throat> graduation, man. What, what a great time of life. Um, ever, ever since my kids were small, I, I have just been so excited for this age and for them to go off and um, experience everything that, they, uh, that God has for them. I, I, I really do believe it's an incredible season of discovery, of really discovering who you are and of exploration. And um, as Caleb now jaunts off into his next venture and Ashlyn, my, my sophomore at Colorado State, who's like, I'll go anywhere as long as I'm outside of the state of Utah. And now who's gonna spend the summer in Eswatini away from us? It's like, okay, so maybe I don't like it this much actually. But uh, I just know too, I've often said, like you, you've probably sat around a campfire or a time where you're just talking and you ask the question, if you weren't doing what you're doing right now, if you weren't doing this job, what would you do? My answer has always been, I, I think I'd be a dean in a, in a university because I, because I believe so strongly in this age of discovery. Now, and I remember, and there's this phrase that you'll often hear during, during graduation, the future starts now, right? The future starts now. And when I thought about my own life, I'm like, did God have a future for me? Absolutely. When I graduated from high school and began my college career, did God have a future? Yes. Did I have any idea what it was? Absolutely not. I think if he would have told me, you're going to be a pastor, I would have been running for the hills, baby. <laughs> I did not, would have never have desired to be what he wanted me to be. In fact, when I went to Oakland, I went to Oakland University. When I started off, it was a college or university right in the, in the suburbs of Detroit. You guys, I chose a new major every semester because <laughs> I had no idea what I was doing. My future was so unclear. It was ridiculous. But then when I was 19 years old, is when God really came to my life and, and I would say rescued me and brought me in to his life. And, I, and, I, and I, so I followed him. I transferred schools and I went to another school, Asbury College. And even then, I didn't really know what I wanted to do, but eventually I decided, you know what? All right, I'm gonna teach high school and I'm gonna coach football. And so I started doing that. And then out of the blue, out of the blue, God just has different plans. <laughs> that was perfect. <laughs> if you really wanted to make an entrance, you know. All right. So, but, but here's, here's what happens. Like out of the blue, God totally had a future for me. And here's what I didn't realize is that I was being developed into what God had planned for me during those years. And through those years, people um, who didn't know what they were supposed to do, it's, it's, when, I, when I'm talking to people, they're like, yeah, but I just don't know what I'm supposed to do right now. It's not really clear right now. I, through my now 36 years of ministry, when I've counseled people who don't know what they're supposed to do, I just tell them, it's like, well, this is a sweet season. Because that means Jesus just wants you to get closer to him. Because it's not always about what we do, but it is about who we know. And it's an intimacy with him. So he did know my future and he does. And he does. So today, tonight, what we're going to do is we're actually going to ask the question, what does the future starts now mean for K2? What does it mean for us, you guys? Um, last fall, uh, it, it, 
And I shared a little bit about this a couple months ago, but in the month of August, I sensed a real strong call just to fast and to pray for that month of August. And I was seeking God. I wanted to understand my own heart and why it wasn't thriving and why it wasn't fully alive. And so I'm like, God, I just don't like how my heart is, but I don't know why it's that way. And, I, and if, you, if you were here, I felt like he said, do you really want to know? <laughs> and that's when you say, no, <laughs> and you run. No, <laughs> but I, I said, yes, and I ran towards him. But as I was praying, I had three prayers. My prayers were, God, what do you want me to know about my heart? What do you want me to know about K2? And what do you want me to know about my son, Caleb? Those were my three prayers. And, um, and as I went into that time, at the end of, the, of, of August, I really sensed that Jesus was saying, hey, David, would you just set a blank sheet before me and let me do whatever I wanna do with K2? Would you have no sacred cows? None. Would you let me take you into a future that you don't know, but that I do? And I'll be honest with you, that kind of stuff gets me excited. <laughs> it really does. I, I actually don't, I, actually, I know a lot of people don't like change. I like change. I, I like the idea of something new and I like the, the, the idea of going into that. And so what happened was, you know, I came back from that time and we started having deep internal conversations, you know, amongst us as a staff. And it was during this time, actually throughout this whole last year, Mike Rutledge, right? He had been sensing in his own heart. He got a vision kind of coming for something new, a different future. And really for years, Mike has just wanted to continue to expand his leadership. But this fall, as we really started talking about, okay, well, I'm sensing we're supposed to be doing something new. He goes, I'm sensing we're supposed to be doing something new. And that's when Mike really sensed, you know what? I'm supposed to plant this church. And we are so excited about Rutledge planting the conversation. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be super exciting. Now, but after Mike made that decision, it was, and I'll be honest, man, that was weird. Because it's like, we've been together for 20 years. <laughs> for 20 years. That's partly why we decided to do this. We're like, man, the church needs some Get, get the old farts out of here, right? <laughs> and bring in some new fresh blood. But really, so when, once that decision was made, then it was like, okay, man, Mike, if he's, if he's heading out, he's been such an important part of health, discovering who we are and how we're moving forward. What we have done recently is we put a team together. And we said, okay, because Mike has been researching and reading and, and figuring out how do we reach this culture and how do we reach this next generation? Derek Murphy's been doing the same thing, right? How do I move in? How do we grow the church? And, and we got two guys. We've been saying we want to plant churches. You guys, we have two churches out there in the end of this year, which is super, super cool. Well, we just realized, you know what? We've got to be asking those exact same questions. We need to be saying, Jesus, what do you want K2 to do? And that, I finally felt the freedom after we kind of knew how we were moving forward with who this last fall, we put together some people from our board, some people from our staff, and just a few people from, from the congregation here at K2. And, and so just a couple of weeks ago, I was talking to our board and I was like, man, I just need to let the church know about the conversations that we're having about what do we do now in light of our future? And so, um, we, and then I realized there's no way I could do that in five minutes. So, we are getting, I know we just started a new series last week 
got to get you into my life. How does Jesus get into our life? How do we get into his life? Well, I would say this message is, how do we get Jesus into our life? How do we get Jesus into the church, K2? And how does the church get into Jesus as we're moving forward? And that's what I actually want to share with you guys. So first of all, is there a future? Okay, that was a, is there a future? Yes, yes. And just like me entering into the university and not knowing what my future was, Jesus knew exactly what my future was. And every year and every experience and everything he was doing was to prepare me for that. Jeremiah 29, 11. You know, there are, some, there are some verses in the Bible and some people are like, man, these are just, these just, we hear these all the time. You know why you hear them all the time? Because we really need them. <laughs> That's why they became so popular. Here's Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you and plans to give you hope and a future. Yes, that's our God. All through the scriptures, he says, I go before you and I'm with you. He's eternal in his nature and he's omniscient and he knows everything. Psalm 139, 16 is one of my favorite verses whenever I think about this. The scriptures say, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. That's an amazing thing that when God was knitting you in your mother's womb, because he's eternal, all the days for you were ordained. Well, you know what that means? That means all the days for K2 are ordained. We have a God who knows exactly what our future is and what he's doing. But now let me read you this verse, Ecclesiastes 7.14. When times are good, be happy. But in times of adversity, Consider this, God has made the one as well as the other so that no one can discover anything about their future. Only two chuckles, that's it. (laughs) Seriously. So here's a God who knows exactly what he's doing. He knows the plans he has for us and he knows the future. And he goes, you know what? And sometimes I give you good times. And when that happens, man, be happy but I'm also the God who gives you adversity. And when that happens, remember this, you can't know the future. Now, why would he do that to us? Like, why not just tell us what it is? You know why, you guys? Because if we knew, if God just laid it out and said, hey, here's what's going to happen for you, you know what we would do? We'd just go do it. And we would completely set God aside. And God is not interested in that. God wants, what does he want? What does he want? He wants faith and he wants trust and he wants relationship. And we want to control things. (laughs) We totally want to control our future. We want to be able to control everything about our life. And God is like, that's the problem. But I am in control. And if you learn to trust me and put your faith in me and build an intimacy with me when you don't know, he goes, then you and I are going to be tight. And guess what's going to happen? my will's actually gonna get done instead of something you thought should happen. Deuteronomy chapter eight, verse two, Moses is telling everybody, uh, the Israelites, and this is great, he says this, remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. 
That's amazing. So God's up there going, hey, I'm actually guys, I'm actually gonna have you guys wander for 40 years. You guys up for 40 years? <laughs> okay, see, just remember, I always say, we like to read the stories in the Bible. We don't wanna live them. Not at all. But what God was saying, but the reason I led you in the desert, because I needed to test your heart. And I needed to find out, do you actually trust me? Will you actually obey me? Do you actually want me more than anything else? What's your trust in? And I know for me, you guys, when I think of K2, 20 years, it'll be 20 years that we moved out here, 19 years that K2 has been in existence. In 20 years, have we had good times? Oh my gosh, unbelievable. I mean, literally, we have seen God do way more than we ever thought would happen. Have we had adversity? Oh my. And maybe I told you this, but I, I think I just shared this recently. Again, after seven years, my pastor back in Detroit said, man, Dave, he goes, you've been through more in seven years than I have in 25. This has been tough. And these last couple of years, I would say have been adversity. Amen? Okay. Two? No, three years. COVID. Throw COVID in. Give me three years. We're just cruising along, right? We're, everything's good. And then COVID hits and everything shuts down. And then the school's out and they have to shut down our lease and they kick us out of our building. God's given us all the money. We get a great loan. There's a building for sale. Oh, they jack up the price a million dollars. <laughs> now we can't purchase the building. And we are so grateful for Southeast Christian Church. Amen? Yeah, seriously. If any of you are watching from Southeast, we do. We love you and we are so grateful. But I'm just gonna tell you, almost every week I hear someone say, if you guys get back to Sunday, yeah, I'll be there. This, is, this has not been the plan. Why, God? Why, why do you have us here after two years? I'll just be honest with you. You know, we put another bid on that building. You know, there was a ward that was for sale, five minutes up the road. And I'm like, okay, we're gonna go into an old church building. And I'm like, well, maybe that's why we were in this church building to get us prepared for the next church building. Only five minutes up the road. Well, we put our bid in and they let us know two days ago they didn't choose us, all right? And we don't know why. This is how this is working, right? Like you, you put a bid in uh, and they don't even tell you how much they're asking. You just put in what you want and then they, they decide who they want to sell it to. So again, we don't know, but we're just gonna keep trying and we're gonna keep moving forward, all right? So in light of that, I just wanna, I, I'm gonna share with you. So we brought this team together and we're going, okay, Lord, then what are you doing? Do you want to put a blank? Do you want us to put a blank sheet before you and say, Jesus, we know that what we used to do, we do know this, you guys, that what we used to do when we first started K2, it doesn't work. It, hasn't, it doesn't work around the whole nation. It was a great season. So now we're trying to figure out, well, what is it, God? What is it that will help you be beautiful, that will draw other people to you and want them to have relationship with it? What is it that'll make us as a church tight with each other and love each other deeply and growing more in our faith and being more out there than ever before? And we're just putting the sheet before. And I'm gonna share with you kind of the, a couple things that we've already gone through, include you in them, and then we're gonna move forward. Before I do, I just want to read you really quick, Isaiah chapter 43. In Isaiah chapter 43, in this, in this prophecy, God is letting the people know, hey, here's the deal. Um, you never listened to me, so I'm sending you into exile, but I'm actually going to bring you home. 
I'm gonna bring you back home. And I love this. In Isaiah 43, verse 16, he says this. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and the horses, the army and reinforcements together, and they lay there never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. You guys know what he's talking about? He's talking about the Exodus. He goes, man, he goes, I am the God who did that. I'm the God who brought all those plagues. I'm the God who had you cover your doorpost with blood so that when the angel of death came over, he would pass over you. I mean, these, these Jews, this was the greatest moment, man, with God led us through the Red Sea and, the, and the, the Egyptians came after, right? And the waters came over him. He totally saved us. It was miraculous. You're awesome. And they still celebrate Passover because they want to remember the great things that God did. This is so funny. He goes, I'm the God who did all that. And then he says this in verse 18, forget it. <laughs> what? Why? He goes, forget the former things. Don't dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? Can't you see it? I am making a way in the wilderness and I'm putting streams in the wasteland. And I, I, you guys, I just, I just feel like this is our hope. We have a God who's always doing new things. And I want to tell you, he needs to do something new because the world is so different than it was 20 years ago when we planted K2. It's time for something new. It just is. And so the very next verse says, God said to the Israelites, he goes, yet you did not call upon me. <laughs> well, I just want to tell you, we're calling on him. And I'm asking you, call on him. These people are like, no, we got it, God. We'll go do, we'll do our own thing. We're okay, we don't need you. Man, that is the last thing we're doing. We are on our knees and we're begging God to speak to us, okay? So here we go. Here's the first thing we did when we brought our team together is we realized we need to do a very serious assessment of this culture because the culture that's out there now is not the culture that was there when we, when we planted K2 20 years ago. We, I know God led us to do what we did 20 years ago. And it was, it was amazing. But now I believe he's saying, forget that because it's a new day and I'm gonna do a new thing, all right? So what I'm gonna share with you uh, uh, are five cultural assessments. There's a book that actually, it's funny, Mike Rutledge, every time we meet as a team, I look over at Mike, you know those people who have actually still use paper Bibles? And they use it like all the time and it's rattered and it's tattered and it's torn because they just are in it all the time. If you run into Mike and you see his, this book called You Lost Me, that's what it looks like because he's been diving into this thing. And Jason Dunn has been leading our whole staff through it. Here, I'm going to say it again. The title is You Lost Me, Okay. Because we know right now the fastest growing religious demographic are called the nuns, not N-U-S, N-U-N. <laughs> We're not seeing a lot of women run around in black, okay? N-O-N-E, nun. The fastest growing religious affiliation today is people who have none. And this book is called You Lost Me. And it's, a, it's actually a, a, an assessment and a research of why have people left the church. And in it, it actually shares what the views are of the culture today of the church, okay? 
There are, there are some, I'm gonna share five of them with you really quick, okay? Here's one. This is how the world looks at us. Now, no, by the way, this is the church in general, okay? This is not K2 specific at all. This is how the, the, the when they, if somebody's like, like Ashlyn, my daughter, right? She, she goes to Colorado State. No one knows her at all, none. And as soon as they find out she's a Christian, it's like, <laughs> why is that? Why is the culture think Christian <clears throat> stiff arm, don't want anything about it, okay? That's the culture that we have to reach today. Here's the first one. They think the church is doubtless, okay? Doubtless. Now, what that means is that the church is not a safe place to actually ask questions. That if I need to be a part of the church, I have to have my act together and I need to f- stand firmly and believe all the right things. And if I start reading the Bible and going, this stuff's pretty wacky in here, and I don't know if I believe this. I can't bring that out in the church because the church says, no, you can't have doubts. You have to have faith. You have to believe, okay? Or if you go through something horrific in your life and you start doubting the goodness of God, or if he's there, they're saying, I, I can't do that in the church. The church is doubtless. And if it is, then I can't be a part of it because I this is the real me is actually struggling you know, the best, one of the best things we ever did, some of you were never around, years ago, we actually did a campaign, a, 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 a billboard campaign, all the way uh, around uh, I-15 and the, in the, uh, the interstates. You know what it said? Question God. And we actually had one of the people who owned the billboard said, we won't put that up. They said, you can put up questions for God. And we're like, no, we don't want to put questions for God. We want to put question God. Because people need to be free to ask, but people don't feel like they are. So that's the first issue. I don't want to have anything to do with the church because the church is doubtless. Here's the second one. The church is exclusive. The church is exclusive. I want to tell you, man, this generation and all of us now, there is more information available to us. We are more exposed to everything that's out there. Every religious idea, every non-religious idea, and because of the, the amount of information that everybody's consuming, the options are so much more wide open and we're a global community. And so what's happening in our culture and especially in the younger generation is they're basically just saying, so you know what, we need to be open-minded. How do I know if I'm right? So we need to be open-minded. We need to be more inclusive. We need to let everybody know we need to tolerate things and seek to understand things. And so where today's culture that we live in is one of acceptance in the church, they look at the church and they go, seems like you guys are saying we have to totally comply before you'll actually ever let us belong. You're exclusive. You actually don't want me to be a part of you unless I comply before I ever do it. And you know what's crazy, guys? There's such a need for relationship today. And yet most of the culture feels like, but I can't have one at the church because they don't want me unless I'm like them. Okay, so they say we're exclusive. That's the second thing. We're doubtless and we're exclusive. The third one is this, is that the church is repressive. Honey, would you grab my um, You Lost Me book out of my bag? I forgot to bring it up here. The church is repressive. And in this book, it's simply talking about the area of human sexuality. Okay, so this I think would be a subset of being exclusive. So the idea today, thank you. The idea today 
that sex is to be reserved for within marriage between a man and a woman, that, no one believes that. Hardly, hardly Christians believe that. This is a real issue. Obviously, you guys all know this, unless your head's in the sand. I mean, it's like this, we're trying to figure this out. What does this mean? And so this is another area where the church feels to the culture repressive. And I'm actually gonna cheat a little bit. Here's, here's what he says in this book. He says, among many of those with a Christian background, the perception is that the church is out of step with the times. Many though, not all, view the church as repressive, controlling, joyless, and stern when it comes to sex, sexuality, and the sexual expectations. On the other hand, many are also dissatisfied with the wider culture's pressure on them to adopt lax sexual attitudes and behaviors. They feel torn between the false purity of traditionalism and the empty permissiveness of their peers. So this is just a huge issue. And really, when you study kind of the sexual norm now is that the highest goals of sex today are not just pleasure, but freedom and self-expression. So the question is, that is the culture that we live in. And they're looking at the church and going, we just think you guys are repressive on this one. So what's our attitude gonna be? What's our attitude going to be? I love Rick Warren. I have this quote on my computer. I keep it with me all the time. He says this, Rick Warren was a pastor of Saddleback Church out in Southern Cal. He says, our culture has accepted two huge lies. The first is that if you disagree with someone's lifestyle, you must fear or hate them. The second is that to love someone means you agree with everything they do. Both are nonsense. You don't have to compromise convictions to be compassionate. But this is, this is how the culture that, we're, that we have to figure out. How are we gonna be the church in this culture? Here's the fourth one, that the church is shallow. The church is shallow, feels superficial, irrelevant. It's not helpful. It's boring. Like, why do I even wanna go to church? And so, and it feels like this in two ways. Number one, that we're actually not talking about the issues that people have to deal with in their everyday life. They're saying, I, I go to church, and you guys aren't even talking about what I, I'm, I'm out here in the world, y'all. <laughs> and it's like you're in this little bubble and just talk about churchy things and just be kind of happy amongst yourself. That's shallow to them. And so they're like, I don't even really need to come. And then the second thing is, you're not equipping me with the depth of knowing Jesus in a way that affects all my life. Not just head knowledge. Don't just give me head knowledge but give me knowledge that actually equips me and helps me root me, establish me, challenge me, call me to something greater. Then let's just do church in our little bubble, okay? We're doubtless. We're something else. We're exclusive. We're repressive. We're shallow. And then the last one is the church is unknown. Church is unknown. In other words, people just don't go to church anymore. It's not like you're going to throw up a billboard now and people are going like, oh, I got to go to church. Uh, they, you know, I, and, and this is so helpful for me. It's not even on their radar. I was asking my niece, who's, who's in this generation one day, and she actually grew up in our church in Detroit that whole time. And I said, Lindy, like, help me. Help me understand your, your culture and your, your age. She goes, well, Uncle Dave, she goes, your generation had really bad church experience. Anybody out there have bad church experience? <laughs> she goes, so what you did is you crushed it, man. 
You made church so much fun. You made it relevant. You, you talked about the things that, that, that mattered in their life. She goes, it was crazy creative. She goes, Uncle Dave, she goes, my generation hasn't been to church. Bad church is not their issue. Their issue is they need to know why in the world would I even consider it? Because <laughs> it's not even on my radar. That's who we're reaching today, guys. All right? So here's what we want to do. Would you grab your phones real quick? We're going to take a text poll. All right? We want to take a tech, text poll. We did this uh, uh, in, our, in our series earlier this year. And uh, so right up here on the screen, okay, you're going to be able to, just, to take out your phone and, uh, and make sure that you can just plop it on there, take a picture of it so that you can actually tap into our text poll. It's coming. There it is. All right? Oh, I love that view. It makes me want to take a picture of all of you. You look really fun. <laughs> it so doesn't look like church. It's cool. All right. Okay, and my phone died with my battery, so I don't have mine on me. Um, so tell, somebody tell me as soon as the first question is ready. Garrett, maybe it'll pop up your force. Okay, I want you to think about the five things that I just shared with you and answer this question. Which cultural attitude toward the church do you believe is the most important for us to address? You get to pick one. Which cultural attitude toward the church, not just K2, the church in general, is the one though that we need to make sure that we're addressing? All right, I'll give you like five more seconds. Quick answer. Five, four, three, two, one. All right, here we go. What'd we get? 27, the church is unknown is the top one. And then 19, 19, 19. What? That's just crazy. Well, actually, I kind of like that answer because what I was going to tell you is here's the key. We have to address all these. You know, we were going to see, we actually wanted to see, is there one from you guys where it just seemed to pop out? Wow, this is like way off the charts. Even if that happened, we said we still have to address all of these. And we are, we are going to be working hard to figure that out, okay? Here's the second thing we did as a church. Is we did what we called a no-blame autopsy on K2. Now, if you're doing an autopsy, what are you doing? You're diving in because something went wrong and you're trying to figure out why. And so this is actually K2 specific. And we had like a dozen of us in the room and we just went around a couple of times and we just said, okay, we put everything up on the board that we could think of that's like, hey, this is what needs work at K2. This is what's not working. This is what, this is, uh, what is, is challenging for us. And I just want to tell you, as your lead pastor, I mean, I sat there and I just looked at them and I go, yep, nothing went up there that surprised me. Let me share with you the top five as we've kind of thought that they, they were. Here's the first one, that there's a discipleship gap with new believers, okay? So in other words, when someone really does make a decision for Christ or they, or they want to even begin the journey of Christ, too often people have either made that decision and not had somebody come alongside them, get them rooted, get them established, pour into them so that they grow deeply in, their, in the love of God and the, the truth of who he is. And we've got to figure that out. We got to make sure that any person who walks through these doors, anybody who's a part of K2, that we are what we've been talking about, disciple 
makers. That's what we are. Jesus said, go make disciples. And we realized we could do a way better job, especially with people who are just in the beginning of their journey. We got to get better at that. Here's the second one. We need deeper connection and love for one another. We need deeper love for one another and connection. And here's what, we were talking deeply about the shallow piece. Here's one thing I know about the shallow. You only really get deeper in relationship. You, you've got to be with somebody where you can ask questions. You've got to be with people where you can be vulnerable. You've got to be with people that, who, who know you. I'm going to get done today. I get done every time speaking. And you know what's true? I have no idea if you guys did anything I said. I have no idea. The only way you're ever going to know is how. Is if you're, no, if you're in relationship, you got to be in relationship with people. And I'm telling you, this is one of those things that's partly why we started doing 167. We have to fight so deeply the American shallow thing that said, go to church for an hour and you've been, a, you've been fully devoted to Jesus. You guys, no, he did not die. So we do this for an hour. He died to create a community of people where he said, love one another in the same way I have loved you. Man, we got to fight for this one. And we got to figure out, we have life together groups, we're doing discipleship, but most people aren't even in life together groups. So what are we doing? How are we connecting with each other? How do we love each other? Man, that's his number one command. He goes, if you guys love one another, then the world will know, okay? So we got to figure out, we're going to work on that one. Here's a third one. It's a calling for the church to serve the world more than itself. In other words, you know why the church exists, you guys? For the world. <laughs> the church exists to show the glory of God to the rest of the world. And that is why we started doing 167. Because we're like, we got to help us go. Everything that happens here is to fill us up for what's going on out there. And yes, do we need people in Adventure Canyon? Yes, our kids matter. Do we need people leading worship? Yes. Do we need people pouring into our teens? Yes. Every ministry we do, we can't do unless you do it. The Bible actually says you have spiritual gifts to serve the body. The body's never healthy until we actually serve it. But then the body is supposed to be serving the world. Kind of like we did this morning. All right, so we want to get better at that. Here's the fourth one. We got to win with the under 35 crowd. And now this is the church across the whole nation is not winning with an under 35 crowd. We gotta do that. And so we, we're just talking about how are we gonna do that? What are we willing to do? What are we willing to change so that people who are younger, who are flooding away from the church, we might have a chance to actually bring them back. I, I love this, this, one, this one church, they have this phrase, they say, if we're gonna reach people that nobody else is reaching, we gotta do what nobody else is doing. Isn't that a great line? So let's pray and let's be ready to do what nobody else is doing, all right? And then the last one is people must trump the machine. And what we mean by that is that we know through the years, we were so committed to making the church work. Get in here, help us to make the programs great. Yes, that's great. But next thing you know, we started being so committed to the machine, the organization, that you can care so much about that, that you're missing the people, and then people start to feel used. They don't feel cared for. They don't feel loved. And we've totally missed the boat. And man, we just say, we're not going to do that anymore. We're going to make sure that that doesn't happen because we know it has happened here. And if it's happened to you, we're sorry. Okay? So here you go. Pull out your phones again. And I want to ask you the same thing. 
on these issues that are our church internally, okay? So we'll pull up the, oh, I don't know, is it already on there maybe? Do they have to do this all again? Okay, so look on your phones. You guys have the question? Ah, uh, here it is. Is it on your phone? Great, there you go. Which issue within K2 most needs to be addressed? Which issue do you think we need as a church to prioritize and make sure that we take it seriously, get healthy, and become a better demonstration of who Jesus is? All right, I'll give you five more seconds. Five, four, three, two, one. What do we get? All right. Not winning with the under 35 crowd. Ding, 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 ding. That was our answer too. All right. So that's, that is what we put up as far as, as our team as well. The number one and um, deeper love and connection with each other. Fantastic. And again, here's what I want to say. We're not just going to work on the first one. We're going to work on all these. Okay. So that's the work that we have done and lastly, just really quick, I just want to let you know what are our next steps as this team. Um, we realize, so we've done all the hard work of going, man, what's the battle out there and what's the battle in here? The next thing we're going to do as a team is we need, to, we need new values. I know right now, if I ask you what our values are, you guys don't know what they are. We, you guys, we need to know what our values are. We put together values 20 years ago and they were awesome. <laughs> And we just need to refresh them and we're going to completely look at it again. Because once you know what you value, then you say, we aren't doing anything outside of that. And man, when we launched, we knew this is what we're going to be. And I don't care if you don't like it, there's another church in the Valley who does what you're looking for. And that's, I mean, I don't mean that mean, that really is. So just go there because this is who we're going to be. So we're going to fight hard to find out what those are. And we're going to, even though I always tell everybody, we don't get to decide what the mission and vision statement is. Jesus actually decided what the vision of the church is, but how you say it is unique to each body. And we're gonna refresh that too. So that's the next thing we're gonna do is figure out what our values are in the vision and mission. And then in July and August, we're gonna start looking at everything. In light of what's going on out there, in light of what is going on in here, in light of what we really value, what is this actually gonna look like? What's this gathering going to look like? And man, I'm telling you, Jesus, lead us. You know, show us what that is. How do we get connected in relationships that are tighter and more universal so we really are a community of love that is so different than the rest of the world? We're going to dive in and we're going to figure out what, is there things we need to do different with that? In light of that, how are we going to do our discipleship? How are we going to continue to do our compassion with foster and serving the city and food pantries? What about refugees or sex trafficking or other marginalized people? God, what, how do you want us to be the church in the world? And then how are we going to do anything we can do so that every person in this valley knows that Jesus Christ loved them, died for them, and wants a relationship with them? How are we going to reach every person that Jesus died for? So we're going to super tangible. Here's our goal. We're hoping by September, we're going to do like, we'll, we'll take a swing, man. Like, come on, bring it. And we're going to take a swing and we're going to try something new and see what God has for us. And so here's what I want you to do. Band, come on up. Here's what, here's what I want you to do. I want to say this. 
We can't hold on to the things of the past, you guys. We cannot just do the same thing. It's a different world and we need to be a different church. God is doing something new and we need to be included with it. Hey, and then we need to be open to whatever the spirit leads us to do. And we need to be willing to do whatever he asks us to do. We need to be, we be, we need to be willing to go wherever he asks us to go. And, and let me ask you this. Do you guys think Jesus is up there going, God, I don't know. Good luck. Just come on, guys. Here's what's cool. He knows exactly how to reach this culture. If he was in the flesh today, he would know exactly what to do. And you know what? He says, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. So in every meeting we're doing, we're not just strategically thinking. We do that for about an hour and a half. And then we spend the last half hour and we just, listen, we just pray and we listen, okay? That's why you have a card, all right? I would like you to grab your card now and your pen. Many of you may have never done this before, but we're gonna do what's called listening prayer, okay? We're gonna do listening prayer. And basically, I'm just gonna very quickly claim the reality that Jesus has actually gone into heaven and is alive and God has been speaking to his people all the time. And we're gonna ask him. I'm just gonna ask a very simple question and I'm gonna ask you to listen. And if you sense that you receive anything or hear anything, I just want you to write it on that card for me, okay? All right, so go ahead and bow your, bow, bow your head and close your eyes and let me just lead us in this time because we wanna hear Jesus' voice. Father in heaven, not far away, heaven means you are right here in our midst. And Father, we're asking you now, in the name of Jesus, we want to know what you have for us. We confess, God, we don't know the future but we confess that you do and we trust you. But God, we also know, Jesus, you told us, my sheep do hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. So God, we, we are, we, we've worshiped you. We've put your word before us. This is a holy place. We believe you're here in our midst. And I wanna ask right now, God, what do you want us to to know in view of our culture, in view of our church, and in view of our future. If there's anything you want to say to us, God, what do you want us to know? So go ahead and write that down on your sheet. If you sensed anything, maybe you saw something. If you felt anything, just go ahead and write it down. And then Lord, one more thing. Go ahead and flip the card over. Jesus, is there anything you want to say to me 
personally about what you want me to do in view of our culture, in view of our church. Jesus, is there anything you want me to do to be a part of this future? All right, go ahead and write that on the card. Father, have your way. We do not want to just stay here, God, in a safe little bubble. We want to be a church that makes an impact in the world, that reaches this culture with your grace and your truth and your love. God, we want to be a church that's beautiful in its love for one another and its service so that we look like you. We want people to see us and run into you. God, take us to those deeper places, those higher things. Call us into the future that you have for us. And I ask you to do that in Jesus' name. Amen.